2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I'm going to begin in verse number 3. A couple of scriptures, two different places from there. I'll be going over to the book of James. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. We should know this text by now. We've looked at it a bunch of times. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Then over in the book of James, James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James chapter 2 verse 20 continues, it says, But do you not know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Today in our series, Mental Health Goals, I want to talk to you about the mighty do-it weapon. The mighty do-it weapon. How many of you remember the Nike slogan? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Can you help me out today at all of our locations? Look at somebody and just help me preach and say, just do it. Just do it. Come on, tell somebody. Say, just do it. Just do it. Let's go before the Lord and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just speak right now your word and your truth over your people. We pray that it refreshes our heart, renews our spirit and our mind in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Just do it. That's not a Nike slogan. That's a spiritual principle. Let me give you a few examples. I know, for example, Moses, or or Peter, I should say, Peter, that there's water in between you and Jesus, but he said, come out of the boat and walk to him, so just do it. I know that you fished all night and you caught nothing, but, but he said, cast your net on the other side of the boat, so guess what? Just do it. I know that you're down to your last bit of meal, widow woman, and you're going to make one final pancake breakfast for you and your starving child before you die, but the prophet said, give me some first, so guess what? Just do it. I know that you're out of wine and it's a wedding feast and you're embarrassed and adding water to the barrels that are there that are empty makes no sense. But in the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus, whatever he says, just do it. I know that the battle plan seems crazy, Joshua. Just just walk around these city walls for six days, one time each day. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. Can you say getting your steps in? On the seventh day, say do it seven times. And on the seventh time, give a shout. I know that seems crazy, but that's what he said. So guess what? Just do it. I know Moses, you feel trapped in between the Red Sea and an oncoming Egyptian army. But but he said to stretch out your rod and, and he'll make a road through the ocean. So guess what? Just do it. I, I know that building an altar of wood and drenching it with water before you fall, call down fire from heaven seems unorthodox, Elijah. But that's what he said to do. So guess what? Just do it. How many of you know that sometimes in life you've just got to do it because those three words are the difference between your mess and God's miracle? You need to just do it sometimes when it doesn't make sense, when it seems unorthodox, when the odds are stacked against you, when it looks like everybody's going to think you're crazy, when it may cost you some friends, and even when you have doubt in your heart. But sometimes you've got to just do it because listen to me, God shows up when you just do it. There's power released when you just do it. The enemy loses his hold on your life when you just do it. Realize God is smarter than you, so if God said something, just do it. God sees the beginning from the end in your life, so just do it. He's working all things out for your good, so just do it. We could just stop right there and say, God, that's enough to marinate on for the rest of the week. But I want to go a little bit further because I want you to know that when you do it, when you do what God said, your mind actually get renew- gets renewed in a powerful and a profound way. In this series, we've learned a lot about how the mind works. And we've learned that there is a war going on for our mind. And we learned that the reason why there's a war going on for our mind is because the enemy of our soul understands that wherever the mind goes, 
the life follows. And because of this truth, the enemy of our soul tries to manipulate our mind in an effort to destroy our lives. And the way that he manipulates our mind is subtly. He doesn't show up at everybody's front, you know, doorstep. He doesn't show up in your bedroom at night. That's not necessarily the way that he does it. But he infiltrates our mind in all sorts of forms. The news media, the things that we're taught in education, the things that are going on in the world, the new social, socially accepted norms. All of these things are lies from the pit of hell that we adapt. And when we accept them as true, when we believe lies as true, they become strongholds in our lives. And some of us have developed mindsets that are lying mindsets throughout our life about ourselves, our family, our opportunities, what kinds of victories we can achieve in life, where our life is going, what's always going to happen to us, what's not going to always happen to us. And when we adapt or adopt those mindsets as our own, when we believe lying things as if they were true, they have power over us as though they were true. And when we believe lies as if they were true, the Bible calls those things strongholds because they imprison us and they cause our life to follow those mindsets that we need to change. And we find ourselves in these things that we've been talking about, neural ruts, which create destructive cycles in our life. We can sometimes feel helpless. We don't know how to break out. But the truth and the good news of the scripture is that we are not helpless, that God has given us these things called mighty weapons, right, to pull down the strongholds, to get rid of the stinking thinking and rewire our brains so that our lives can move in the healthy direction that God has intended for them to go. Because when we renew our mind, Romans chapter 12, verse number two, what happens, we're able to experience the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God or the life that God has designed for us. And so in this series, we've been looking at, we're at the stage, we're looking at these mighty weapons. And you might recall just a little bit of a review to catch you up because it's been two weeks since I preached. So just a little review. By the way, didn't Pastor Nicole do an awesome job? Didn't Pastor Ronald do an awesome job? We have such great pastors here on staff here. And so they preached for a couple of weeks and now kind of bringing you back up to where we left off. We talked about the three categories of mighty weapons. Number one, the mighty repealing weapons or the weapons that uproot the negative neural pathways or ruts that are in our mind that are ruining our lives. We talked about those. Then we're on right now the mighty renewing weapons, and that's our focus. We're going to continue with that today. These are the weapons that create these new trenches of truth that we need to reprogram our mind with so that we can have cycles of victory instead of cycles of defeat. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the mighty reframing weapons, and these strengthen the trenches of truth so that we don't just have a new thought for a moment and muscle up for a week or two and change our behavior, but so we can change our behavior for the long haul. And so then we said the mighty renewing weapons have three categories as well, or there are three types. And you can remember the three types of mighty renewing weapons by the phrase, see it, say it, do it. See it, say it, do it. The see it weapon is meditation. That's when we meditate on the word of God. When we think on the word of God day and night, when we ruminate on the word of God day and night so that in our mind's eye, we can see what God says. And then we moved on to the second one, which is confession, the mighty say it weapon. This is when we speak over our lives, the word of God. And when we see it and when we say it, we move into this third mighty weapon, which I want to talk to you about today, the mighty do it weapon, just do it called action. Matter of fact, if all you ever do is think on the word of God and say the word of God and never act on the word of God, your mind will not be renewed because your actions, listen to me, either reinforce 
what you've been meditating on and saying, or they destroy what you've been meditating on and saying. So you eventually need to begin to do. And all three of these things, meditation, confession, and the mighty do it weapon, just do it. They all feed off of one another. They work together. Matter of fact, the way you get to the place where you can do the right things is first you meditate on the right things because your thoughts will eventually become your actions. So you're setting yourself up to be able to actually act right when you think right. And then when you say what what is in agreement with what you're thinking, now you have the see it and the say it moving you into the ability to be able to walk it out. Have you ever wondered why certain Christians cannot walk out the word of God? They, 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 they can't get it to be a habit in their life. And part of the problem is because they're not meditating on the word of God and saying the word of God so they don't wind up doing the word of God. All three of these work in tandem with one another. And for the remainder of our time, I want to focus on the mighty do it weapon or how what we do affects what we believe or accept as true, how what we do affects our mindset. And I want us to begin by looking at James chapter 2, verse number 20, one of our opening texts. It says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? There are three uh, words or terms in that text that are noteworthy. Number one, faith. Number two, works. And number three, dead. So let's start with faith. What is faith? In essence, in, in kind of simplified terms, faith is what we believe, right? I mean, you have faith in all sorts of things, right? You believe all sorts of things. That, that's having faith. You have faith that when you sit on a chair, that it's not going to collapse. You don't even think about it. You just sit on the chair because that faith has become instinctive. You ex- expect every chair you sit on to hold you up. And if the chair you sit on breaks down, then you know you've gained too much weight, right? So you know it's not the chair's fault. I'm just playing, right? But faith at its core is 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 what we believe. One version of the Bible says this, says faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. And as Christians, when we talk about faith, we talk it as what we believe about God, what we believe about the truth of the word of God, how we accept what God says as true, whether we have physical evidence and evidence of it or not. Faith is being confident of what we hope for and expectant of what we do not see. In the end, if you stand on what God says, you'll eventually see what God promised, right? But faith at its core is just simply what we believe. And then there's a second word, which is the word dead. And from the original language, here's the definition. It means to shun the work or stop the work that ought to be performed. To shun the work or stop the work that ought to be performed. Another way of saying that is to kill the intended outcome. So so faith has an intended outcome. The intended outcome of faith is the promise of God, right? If you If you believe what God says, if you have, if, if you, if you hang on to the truth of what God says, the intended outcome is the promise of God will come to pass. But the outcome God's, God promises can be stopped by one thing. The outcome God promises can be stopped by one thing. That's the third word. This word actions, specifically corresponding actions. And what the verse is telling us is that Faith or belief is uprooted, upended, or rendered useless without actions that support the belief. Faith is upended, rendered useless without actions that support the belief. Now, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but I'll come back to it. From a scientific point of view, it's called neural integrity. Neural integrity is when what you do matches what what you believe, right? And if you don't have neural integrity, what you believe will be destroyed. So if you act in a way that is opposed to what you believe, you destroy your belief system. This is why it's so important for us to walk out the word of God, to be consistent with our actions. But here's my version. I call this the PFS, Pastor Frank Santor, Amplified Edition of James chapter 2, verse number 20. Listen up, bro. 
That's my version for, oh, don't you know, oh, foolish man. Listen up, bro. Belief in the truth of God's word without corresponding actions prevents the outcome that God intends for your life. Belief in God's truth without corresponding actions prevents the intended outcome that God has for your life. You destroy everything God wants to do for you when your actions do not line up with what you believe. In matter of fact, you get to a place where you actually are deceived. Now, deception, um, we, when we think so-and-so is deceived, we kind of think automatically the devil, the devil's like, you know, kind of working literally in their life, right? We, so-and-so is deceived, you know, they're under some type of disillusionment, right? But deception is often the result of our actions not corresponding with our beliefs. And so we wind up having a mindset that is faulty or that is messy. We believe certain things to be true that aren't necessarily going to happen because our actions are not lining up what we believe. And the result of that is we have a deceived mind. And that's what James chapter 1 verse 22 is saying. But but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. What does it mean deceiving yourself? It means getting to a place in your mind where you actually think you're going to see what you believe come to pass and, and you don't understand why it doesn't. And God is saying the reason why it doesn't is when your actions don't line up with what you're believing for, right? Or what you're saying is you. So I believe God, God wants me to prosper, but I don't do what he says with my finances. And then I get upset or I don't know why I haven't been prospering. And God is like, it's real simple because your actions don't line up with your belief. Or God says, I promise to give you a good marriage, but yet in your marriage, you don't honor God, and then you're confused as to why you don't have a solid marriage. Or you, you, God promises that if you raise up a child in the way you should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it, but your kids don't want to have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with church, but yet in your home, you didn't raise them up in the things of God. And so now that they're old, they have departed for it and are not coming back because it wasn't a priority. Right, And so what happens is God is telling us that our actions, when they don't correspond with our faith, they destroy our belief system. Now let me give you a biblical example for this. Enter Samson. Samson, you remember him? The he-man with the she-weakness, right? If I named the first 11 judges in the Bible, hardly nobody would know who the first 11 judges in the Bible are. But if I say Samson, everybody knows him. He's the 12th. Of Israel's 12 judges. For the ladies, Samson is like the Fabio, right? Of your dreams. He's, he's, he's the guy that's got the strength, the power, the muscles, the long flowing hair like Blake. Sorry, Blake. For the guys, right? Samson is the one that you wish you looked like, right? Samson is the Adonis. He's the guy with the 12 pack. He's the guy with the tight t-shirts and the bulging guns and the triceps and the biceps and, you know, the man bun. And he's the one that, that you, you still see when you look in the mirror, even though you don't look like that anymore, right? Samson, the 12th judge of Israel. Now, a little bit about Samson. Samson was set apart from his mother's womb for a special purpose. And the purpose was to deliver Israel from their arch enemy, the Philistines. So special was Samson that a sign of him being set apart from birth was that he had to take a Nazarene vow. And you remember the Nazarene vow was three things. He couldn't touch anything that was dead. He couldn't eat any any grapes or wine. And then the third thing, and was the big thing, right? He couldn't ever shave his head. And so Blake thinks he's Samson because he hasn't cut his hair in like, what, uh, 10 years? I don't know. Anyway, sorry I'm picking on Blake today. But anyway, he couldn't, couldn't shave his head. And, and that was supposedly the secret to his supernatural strength. But really, the reason why he had supernatural strength was because he was chosen or born for a supernatural purpose. Can I just push the pause button for a minute and tell you you are at your strongest, you are at your most powerful, you are at your most unstoppable when you are walking in the special purpose for which God has created you. 
And every single one of us, make no mistake about it, is born for a divine purpose. There truly is a dream dreaming you. You are not here by accident. You are not, you know, the result of plasma that came out of a puddle. You are not the result of an uncaused explosion. Matter of fact, you are the result of a highly sophisticated plan by the most super intelligent being on the planet who created you and your creation and how sophisticatedly complex you are is evidence that you came from somebody who was super, super smart. It is virtually impossible for you and I to have evolved without anybody behind it. If you believe that, I'm going to really say something that's going to offend some people. You believe in something that is illogical and you might be a little stupid in that area. It is illogical. How does something as sophisticated as you and I arrive here by just uncaused chance. It it can't happen like that. But you have this purpose. Samson was born for an amazing purpose. And so he was given this supernatural strength to support the purpose for which he was put on the planet. And in order to maintain that supernatural strength, God told him to set yourself apart in this Nazarene vow. And by the way, there are certain things you can do in your life that will sap the supernatural strength that is supposed to be on your life so that you can perform the purpose or the special purpose for which God put you on the planet. And the worst thing that you can ever do is try to operate in your divine destiny without the supernatural strength of Almighty God because you'll fail because your destiny is almost always more difficult than you can do in your own strength. Your destiny requires a reliance on God in order to perform your destiny and that's why it is so important for us to walk with God in order for us to fulfill our destiny. Can you say amen? Back to Samson. He's got this supernatural strength. Not because of his hair, but because of his destiny. And, and, and by the way, although it's commonly believed that Samson, you know, looked like Fabio and he looked like Hercules and he looked like Apollo or he looked like Zeus, I believe he looked more like Pee Wee Herman. Say, so what you mean? I mean, think about this, right? You go to the gym, right? And there's a guy, you know, he's got muscles all over the place, right? You walk into the gym and you, so you see a guy that looks like me. Muscles all over the place, right? It was a joke. Anyway, you go to the gym and you know, he's just, he's just loaded, he's jacked and everything like that. And, and, and he gets on the bench press, right? And, and he puts up, you know, 300 pounds 10 times. You don't even think twice about that. But imagine if a guy like Blake, I'm picking on Blake today. Imagine if you see a guy like Blake, right? And, and, and he gets on the bench press and he hits it 10 times, 305. You're like, oh man, this, I, that, I didn't expect that. This brother's got some serious strength. I believe that the reason why they didn't know where the the source of Samson's strength came from is because Samson, what he did defied what he looked like. And here's what I believe. I believe that when what you do defies what people expect from you, that is a sign that you have tapped into God's supernatural strength. When what you can put out belies what people expect from you, when they look at you and they look and they say, where in the world did that come from? Remember that, that lady, she was on, I think, first go-round of American Idol. She was English or something like that. And, and, and she got on the stage and, and, and she looked real frumpy and everything like that. And, and people were like, oh, look at this. She ain't going to be able to sing. And then she, what was her name? Anybody remember her name? Susan Boyle? Yeah, Susan Boyle. And all of a sudden she hit it. It was like, whoa! And everybody was like, look, chicken, look at that girl go. And it was amazing because what came out of her was not what people expected. And can I tell you, well, what comes out of you is not what people expect. You have tapped into your supernatural strength to do what God has designed you to do. Otherwise, it would make no sense to say, well, what's the source of his strength? They'd look at Santa and say, yeah, we know now he's Jack. Look at him. He's definitely on steroids, you know, doing something. But they hated him because of his destiny. 
They hated him because no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't stop him. He told them riddles that they couldn't solve. He burned down their fields by, by lighting on fire the tails of foxes. He killed thousands with the bones of animals. He ripped up their city gates from the foundation. And each time they wondered, what is the secret to Pee Wee Herman's strength? They looked at him. No matter what they tried, they couldn't stop Samson. He was a thorn in their side that had to be stopped. And when all else failed, the lords of the Philistines who worshipped the idol god Dagon, they gathered together, and for what would amount to about $5,000 today, they sent in a hitman named Delilah. She was sent into Samson's life. Hey there, Delilah, it's what you do to me. You got that right. Who is Delilah? Well, I could spend some time defining for you what she looks like and how she appears in your life and the different forms she takes. But here's what you need to know about Delilah. Delilah is the temptation that is sent into your life, remember from last week, for mind manipulation. Delilah is the one who comes in order to get into your head. And the reason why she wants to get up into your head or he wants to get up into your head is because behind every temptation is a mind manipulation. And if your mind can be manipulated, your destiny can be forfeited. And so Delilah comes in to manipulate Samson's mind. How does she manipulate his mind? How does she, how does she Get Samson to have what we're going to see is a deceived mind. She gets him to do things that are inconsistent with the belief that he has lived his entire life, that he was set apart for a special purpose. Because when your actions contradict instead of correspond to your beliefs, your actions will deceive your mind. Watch what she does. By the way, Delilah always comes into our life when we're vulnerable. The enemy doesn't come in when we're on top of our game. He waits for the low moment. Samson's wife has just been killed by the Philistines. And when Samson's wife was killed by the Philistines, you can only imagine what was going through Samson's heart. Because I just want to share something with you. When you operate in the anointing, you are very vulnerable. You're vulnerable to lows because your, 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 your demeanor goes from mountaintops and then if you have a low, it's such a big swing. Because when you're moving in the anointing, you're here and all of a sudden something happens and you gotta deal with being down here and it's like a crash and so you gotta learn how to balance those things out. So Samson is operating in the anointing and all of a sudden something happens that he didn't expect with his life and that is his wife is killed by the Philistines that he has been called to deliver Israel from. What a downer. What a mind bender. What a thing to mess with your faith. What a thing to give you a bout with doubt. If I, I don't know this, the Bible doesn't say so, but I'm betting Samson began to question everything about him. Because when you have those kind of experiences happen, it is natural the enemy will come in at those low moments and he'll begin to push on those areas that you've always held as sacred and those beliefs that you've always kept in your heart. And that's when Delilah, the hitman named Delilah, will show up. And Delilah manipulates his mind with temptations that lead to actions inconsistent with his godly beliefs. One of them being he sleeps with her And he's not married to her. Now, far be it for me to be not up to date with my beliefs. But I still believe, based on the authority of the word of God, that to sleep with somebody outside of marriage is inconsistent with our Christian beliefs. I got an amen from about two people right here. And see, we, we don't understand, and, and, and I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody, because if I'm going to be honest with you, before I was radically saved, I did that. And it's something that hurts your mindset in so many different ways, in so many different levels. 
But I'm not going to get into all that. But Samson is now doing things that are inconsistent with his belief, not the least of which is sleeping with the enemy. He's also done a bunch of other things like touched a dead carcass of a lion and ate honey out of it, like going down to the vineyards and drinking the wine when he wasn't allowed to touch grapes because that was his Nazarene vow. And so now he's behaving in a way that is inconsistent with his belief system. And what he doesn't realize is that his actions are getting into his head. He thinks he can live a duplicitous life where he believes one thing and doesn't. Oh my God, I'm preaching real good right now because this is what most Christians believe. Most Christians believe that they can live a duplicitous life, right? They could, they could do one thing and believe something else. That they could just turn it on on Sunday and somehow, some way, that is not going to mess with their faith. And somehow, some way, they are still going to have a sound mind. But I want to tell you unequivocally that when your actions do not correspond with your faith, you are setting your mind up to be deceived. It's an open invitation to the enemy. It's you waving a flag saying, over here, come and get me. Send in the hit man named Delilah. Because I'm fair game. right? Each time our actions do not correspond with our belief, our mind slips further and further into deception. Each time he sleep with, sleeps with her, his mind is slipping more and more into deception. Each time she is probing for him to tell her the secret of his strength. And the first two times he lies, but she keeps on knocking because the enemy, when the enemy sees you doing things you're not supposed to, he's going to keep on at you. The only way the enemy leaves you is when you take a stand on the word of God. Because what happened when Jesus was tempted? He kept saying, the word of God says, and the word of God says, and the word of God says, and he wouldn't do what he wasn't supposed to do. And then the Bible says, and then the devil left him. So the enemy leaves us when we do what the word of God has to say. But the enemy keeps on knocking on the door of our life and the door of our heart and the door of our mind when we have a big wide open, yeah, come and get me because our actions are not corresponding with our faith. Finally, he caves. Finally, he says, it's my hair. And look what the Bible says. Judges chapter 16, verse number 19. Then she talked, she, she lulled him to sleep on her knees. By the way, that's what the enemy does, right? When you keep doing the wrong thing over and over again, you don't even realize it. you're being lulled to a spiritual sleep. You're losing your spiritual vitality. You're losing your spiritual strength. But because there is no one-to-one relationship, you ever do something wrong and you're like, shh, nothing happened. Cool. Do it again. 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 Nothing happened. But then after you know a year of doing it, all of a sudden like you're like, I don't understand why I can't feel the presence of God anymore. As if it's a shock. And it's like, oh, this happened out of nowhere. No, it didn't. It's the year of being lulled to spiritual sleep. And so she, she lulled him to sleep on her knees. Are you all right? This is, is this okay? Am I preaching real good? I know I am, even though you're not saying amen. And she called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. Because that's what she always said, right? Because she she always thought he told them the truth. He told her the truth. And she said, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson would get up and he would shake himself. And the power of God would still be. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God his power doesn't leave us when we when we, we don't qualify for it all the time. And his God's power was still there. And Samson would get up and he would shake himself. So he awoke from his sleep. And said, I'll go out as before, as other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. What happened? His mind was deceived. Why was his mind deceived? Because his actions did not correspond with his 
belief system. It's not my point, but as a believer, you cannot live like the world and have a strong faith and lead a victorious Christian life. It doesn't happen that way. I don't know who told us that, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. What we do has a profound effect on what we believe. If our actions correspond with our beliefs, our beliefs are strengthened for better or for worse by our actions. If our actions correspond with our beliefs, our beliefs are strengthened for better or for worse by our actions. If our actions contradict our beliefs, our beliefs are destroyed for better or for worse. Our actions strengthen our mindsets for better or for worse. If we do what's wrong, it strengthens the lying mindsets and we remain imprisoned. If we do what's right, it destroys the old lying mindsets and creates new trenches of truth that lead us to a victorious Christian life. Read the end of Samson. They gouged his eyes out. And they put him in an arena and they chained him and they made sport of him. Did God forgive him? Yes, because no matter what you ever do, God will always forgive you if you go to God and you ask God to forgive you. All the time, 100% of the time, God will forgive you. But what will you lose in the process? Samson was forgiven. He pushed on the pillars of the palace that he was in. The whole palace came down. He killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. But he also lost his life. He also lost his eyes. We have to realize that what we do has everything to do with whether our mind is sound or whether our mind is screwed up. Now, let me give you the science behind how our actions affect our mind. Our actions are paramount in having a sound mind instead of a deceived mind. This biblical truth is supported by something that I've mentioned before called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, which recognizes that in order to change your behavior, you got to change your mind. And in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, there's something called behavioral activation. And this is the realization that thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are linked together and feed off of one another. So let's say, for instance, that you're feeling depressed. And what you do is you go lie in bed. The action of lying in bed brings more emotions of depression. And so the very thing that led you to lie in bed, when you take the action to lie in bed, feeds the emotion that led you there in the per- first place. And the emotion gets stronger, not does not goes away. And so what you have to do is you have to counteract the feeling or the thought or the emotion with something that is not going to support the feeling, thought, or the emotion, but rather destroy the feeling, thought, or the emotion. And that's what behavioral activation is. Now, it goes even deeper than that, how our actions affect our lives in profound ways. The study of epigenetics. Epigenetics literally teaches that our thoughts... And our choices, which are the natural consequence of our thoughts and imagination, literally get under the skin of our DNA and switch certain genes on or off. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to get people mad at me. Have you ever heard before that your sexual orientation is genetic? Have you ever heard that before? It's untrue. See, how do you know that, Pastor? Two identical twins. They both have the same genome, exactly the same. If our sexual orientation was genetic, then both should have the same sexual orientation. But there's scores and scores and scores of identical twins who have different sexual orientations, even though they have the same genome. It's a famous study, by the way. But we would rather tell people what they want to hear than give people the truth which can set them free. Here's the truth that sets us free. Even though our thoughts literally get under the skin of our DNA, they do, our choices turn certain genes on or off that are in our DNA. 
And so you can have two identical twins and they can make different choices or different reactions to certain environmental stimuli and that can turn certain genes off and certain genes on that are different than what's happening in the other person. And so our greatest power in life is not the power of a thought, but our greatest power in life is our power to choose, which is why Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse number 19 says, Behold, I lay before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, listen to me, that you and your descendants will live. What does my choice have to do with my descendants? Well, when I make a choice in my life, it turns certain genes on or off in my life, and those genes get passed down to the next generation. They get underneath the skin of our DNA. Our choices have a profound effect on who we are and what we do. Listen to me. Never buy any lie that says you can't choose. You can always choose. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you respond to what happens to you. You always have the power to choose. You have the power to choose how you react to circumstances. You have the power to choose whether you get angry or don't get angry. You have the power to choose. And when you choose right, something happens to the negative thoughts that are pushing you to choose wrong. Those negative Thoughts begin to get destroyed and replaced by positive thoughts based on your actions. If you don't believe me, you can read all about this in Dr. Carolyn Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain. She's a PhD and an expert in communication pathology and audiology and in cognitive neuroscience. The last chapter of her book deals with something called active reach. Here's what active reach is. The actions, she says... And exercises that you say and do during the course of the day and evening where you, in essence, practice using new healthy thoughts until it becomes automated like a good habit. That's active reach. The exercises that you do to practice, notice the language, to practice the new healthy thought. In order for a thought to really gain gain substance in your mind, what you have to do is you have to practice it. And the more you practice it, and the more you practice the thought, how do you practice a thought? You practice a thought by the actions that you take in response to the thought. If you want to kill a thought, act differently than the thought. If you want to ingrain a thought, act in accordance with the thought. Isn't God good when he says that you should, that you should uh, uh, be slow to speak? Do you know why God says that? Because when you speak, most of us are speaking out our thoughts. You get a thought, what happens? Boom, there it goes. So what God says, hold, hold on a second. Don't be so fast to talk. Why? Don't, don't give, don't give expression to thoughts that you shouldn't give expression to. Interrupt the thought. One of the ways you interrupt thoughts is by what comes out of your mouth. So active reach. Now here she goes on to say, she says, she goes on to say that in the doing nature of active reach, it results in the ungluing of the negative thoughts in your head and the reorganization of the new thoughts that are glued or rewired into your brain. She then says the thoughts that get the most glue are the ones that are the most used and are the result of practicing active reach. So action... What we do moves the glue away from the negative ruts that are ruining our lives and to the healthy new mindsets that set us free. So when we act and act, be not hearers of the word, but doers, deceiving your own selves. Hey, listen up, bro. Right? Faith, believing in God's word without corresponding actions destroys the outcome. What is she saying? Here's what happens when you actually do or correspond through your actions with your beliefs you are either gluing or ungluing a thought from your head and I don't know about you but I want to glue the right things in my mind and the way that you glue something in your mind is you do it and 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 do it it until it becomes automated God is so good automated in your life this is what Dr. Carolyn Leaf calls brain integrity brain integrity. She says, in order to be renewed, you must use your words and actions to line up the thought with its beliefs and feelings. 
You must use your words and actions to line up the thought with its beliefs and feelings. So here's what happens. Actions make you feel the thought. Let me say it again. Actions make you feel the thought. Feelings are powerful. Let me tell you why. So powerful that God says we walk by faith and not by sight. Right? He he recognizes that there's a war between what we believe and what we feel. When you feel something, it's hard for you to believe otherwise. When you see something that is contradictory to what you're believing, it is hard for you to believe otherwise. And so what action does is action allows you to feel the thought. And when you feel the thought, what happens is the brain responds to the feeling of the thought. By the way, your mind and your brain, you know they're not the same thing, right? Your brain is actually the the thing in your head. Your mind is what gives your brain instructions. Your brain does what your mind says. And what happens is when your mind gives an instruction to your brain, your brain then gives an instruction to the rest of your body. And your, your brain... Or your mindset signals to your brain based on how, based on the things that you feel in a moment, right? So we talked about it in simple terms. We talked about what happens when you eat chocolate. What happens when you eat ice cream, right? Dopamine gets released, right? And your, your body says, ooh, feels so good, right? I'm going to talk to the kids this week. By the way, that's why sex outside of marriage is so dangerous, It'll make you feel things that you shouldn't feel. What do I mean by that? It'll make you feel like you're in love with somebody that you shouldn't be in love with. Why? Because what's happened is, is your body, your actions is signaling, signaling your mind, oh, I like that. And your, and then your mind is telling your brain to send a message to the rest of your body which says, this person is good for me. How many of you know that some of the people that you sleep with are horrible for you? I.e. Samson and Delilah. Was Delilah good for Samson? No, she was Samson's downfall. But Samson's mind was saying, this just feels so good. Man, that's such good preaching right there. That was all just off the cuff too. Brain integrity. Brain integrity is when your words and your actions line up with your thought, line your thoughts up with your beliefs and your feeling. What am I telling you? See it, say it, do it. The mighty weapons. As I see it, I meditate on the truth of the word of God, and I'm forming a new mindset. As I say it, I speak what God says about my circumstances, and I'm strengthening a new mindset. But when I do it and do it and do it and do it, I am gluing that mindset in place so that I can experience what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God for my life. That's why it's not a Nike slogan, just do it. It is a spiritual principle, just do it. That's why over and over and over, over again in the Bible we learn the just do it principle that's why Mary the mother of Jesus said whatever he said just do it because God understands that that is the way that our brains and our thoughts work the more we do it 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 the more we believe it the more we believe it the more we believe it and the more you believe it The more you rewire your brain in accordance with what God has for you. Don't just do anything. Think, think beyond the action. What is, don't just think. We think external consequences only. Don't we? External consequences is the only consequence we think of. So we think. And, you know, as a Christian, you'll pause and you'll say, if I do this, I wonder what's going to happen to me. And because we think internal consequences, external consequences only, when we don't see an external consequence to something that we know is wrong, we think, got away with it. The bigger consequences in life are not external consequences. They're internal consequences. Here's what the scripture says. Guard your heart above all things. 
out of it come the issues of life. So we, we ought not to just be concerned with how does this affect me on the outside? Because when it gets me on the inside, then I'm really heading down the wrong path. Just do it. Wasn't that so good? Amazing. Not just because I preached it, but because God showed it to me. Now watch this, watch this. Next, stand your feet. Next week, next week, I'm going to teach you how to do the things that you want to do and know you should be doing but can't do. I.e., how do you develop godly habits in your life? Do you know habit forming is something that is a science? You can actually, you can actually push yourself into doing the right things by just some certain things that everybody can do in your life. And next week we're going to talk to you about and teach you how do I habit form because if I get it automated in my life, if I start doing it without thinking about it, my life begins to go in a completely different direction. Let's Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your word, which is just so true, Lord. There's nothing like your word all the earth. Father, we're grateful for the discoveries of science, which are now confirming everything that you've said for such a long period of time. Forgive us for not believing you over what the world says. Father, you're the creator of all things, and you know all things. And Father, my prayer is that we would do what your word says, even when it confounds us, even when it doesn't seem like from the outside evidence that it's the right thing to do. But Father, that we would just do it. Just do it. Listen to me, every head bowed and every eye closed. One of the things that you have to do in order to be saved is not come to church. Although if you are saved, the natural byproduct of that is you will come to church. But you don't come to church in order to be saved, right, or to keep your salvation. It's the fruit of somebody who's saved. But one of the things that you have to do to be saved is not come to church. It's not get water baptized. It's not go to confession. It's none of those things. In order to be saved, the Bible says you must repent of your sins. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you, to save you, and to be the Lord of your life. If you're here today and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, if you're watching online and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, here's what you do. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I repent of my sin. And I put my faith in you. And I ask you to save my soul. If you're here today and you don't know where you stand with God, no one looking around, I want to pray with you in this moment. We won't embarrass you in any way. But if you're like that, just hold your hand up so I can pray with you. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Hold it up nice and high so I can see you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I know there are people that are watching online. Right where you are, just hold your hands up to the Lord. And for your benefit, we're going to pray this prayer together right now. Let's all pray this together. Say it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I submit myself to you. I humble myself. And I repent of my sins. And I ask you to forgive me as I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I receive him as my personal Savior. And I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're watching at one of our locations, there'll be a campus pastor there for you or on an online campus. Reach out and touch the little hand that's in front of you and one of our online ministers will minister to you or type Jesus in the chat and they'll reach out to you. We love you. God loves you even more. Everybody have a great night. We'll see you real soon. God bless.